Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 76. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... This is Melinda. And Melinda is the only one joining us today, as Dave has actually decided he's going to take a leave of absence from the website and the podcast, and our guest host, unfortunately, canceled last minute, and he will not be joining us either. But hopefully he'll be joining us in the future. With that, we are kind of going to be working on the fly when it comes to our feature or discussion of the episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the Avengers. I know you're thinking to yourself, <laughs> this is a Batman podcast, why are we talking about the Avengers? Well, the reality is the Avengers has been very successful. It is, in fact, going to give The Dark Knight Rises a run for its money come July, as far as how much money the Avengers is making in the box office. And really, the the real reason we're talking about it is going to be because where is Warner Brothers with a Justice League movie? Clearly, nowhere near where the Avengers is. So we're going to talk about that when we get to that. But as always, we have movie news, TV news, merchandise news, video game news, and general news. And trust me when I say May was a very, very busy month. Lots of things going on in all aspects, including new announcements of new things coming. So we'll get into those as we move on. So with that, let's get right into movie news. The very first thing we have, as far as movie news goes, is, well, let's really get into it. Before we talk about The Dark Knight Rises, let's talk about some of the other things that are movie news related that aren't The Dark Knight Rises, because we all know that the majority of movie news is going to be The Dark Knight Rises. But there was, in fact, a little bit of news about some other things, including The Dark Knight Returns. I call you coward! I killed you! I eat your heart! I show you who rules Gotham City! The movie is set to come out this fall, and that movie was announced on May 23rd. The voice cast for the, well, some of the voice cast for the movie. Peter Weller, who is known for his role as the main character in Robocop, will be playing Batman Bruce Wayne, and Ariel Winter, who currently stars in ABC's Modern Family, will be playing Carrie Kelly Robin. Some of the other actors include David Selby, Wade Williams, Michael McKean, all playing various roles within the film as well. Jay Olivia is going to actually be directing the film, and the film is being produced not only by Bruce Tim but Alan Burnett is also involved in this project as well. So there's a, a lot of interesting things regarding this. There was a bunch of screenshots that came out from the initial thing. I will tell you that at this point, Superman vs. the Elite comes out in, well, as you're listening to this podcast, it'll be out, but... The film, Superman vs. the Elite, has a special feature on the Blu-ray of, like, the first peek at The Dark Knight Returns, and I've already seen it, and needless to say, it's going to be good. It's it's going to be good. Basically, Part 1 comes out this fall, Part 2 will come out early next year, Part 1 explores the first two books of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns miniseries from the 1980s, and everything that I saw, it looks really good, and... Peter Weller's voice is going to be good. I'm hesitant about that one only because of the strong negative feelings I had toward year one. 
But if it's done properly, and I mean, the voice cast just sounds incredible. I can I can definitely see Peter Weller playing a really grizzled old Batman. If it's done well, if it's done with care, I think that I will have fewer negative feelings because those are more so about Frank Miller's writing. I want to know how they're going to do Carrie Kelly more than anything else because she's a Robin that's so often forgotten. So I'm looking forward to it, but very cautiously. So be sure to check over at the website for the first screenshots that were released from The Dark Knight Returns. They are on the website, so you can check those out. But let's get into the main amount of movie news, and that would be The Dark Knight Rises. I call it The Bat. And yes, Mr. Wayne, it does come in black. We're less than two months away from the release, and really the month of May was the marketing push for Warner Brothers to really start getting all the marketing out there. Mainstream marketing, not viral marketing, as we talked about last episode, but main marketing. But before we get to that, uh, let's just go through some of the stuff on May 8th. Matthew Mondine talked about his character in The Dark Knight Rises and clarified his, his character. His name is not Nixon. It's actually Foley. And we learned later in the month his character's name is actually Peter Foley. So we're going to play a clip, and you can listen to what he had to say. My first guest played Private Joker in the classic film Full Metal Jacket and the Loudon Swain and Vision Quest. His new film, Girl in Progress, hit theaters this Friday. A little bit later in the summer, you guys are going to see him in a little movie called The Dark Knight Rises. Please welcome Matthew Modine! before you go Nixon Dark Knight Rises yeah what can you give us about him well <clears throat> I think I can t- tell you now that the, there's a lot of misinformation about who I'm playing and what I'm playing in, in The Dark Knight Rises and one of those things might be that I may not be playing a character named Nixon I might actually be playing a character named Foley and who does Foley? Is Foley afraid of Bane? <clears throat> I think everybody should be afraid of <laughs> Bane. Yeah, I mean, Bane is a bad, bad, badass dude. He truly is. Yeah. It, I think that this is probably going to be the best of the Dark Knight series, that, without question. And, and uh, I know the Avengers is doing very well right now, making lots of money. Batman, the Dark Knight Rises, is going to kick its butt. Ooh. So basically, he just clarified his role, but also he says that uh, Dark Knight Rises should have no problem beating Avengers at the box office. And like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit later. On May 9th, The Hollywood Reporter posted an interview with Marianne Cotillard about her role in The Dark Knight Rises. And specifically, they posed a very small question about The Dark Knight Rises to her while they were talking to her about a number of other things. And the excerpt from the interview said, The actress started filming Nights in June 2011, working on and off until the fall in locations including Los Angeles, New York, and Pittsburgh. She says there were long gaps when she wasn't needed. It was very, very, very small role, she said. Otherwise, Cotillard is coy about the picture whose storyline has fueled pages of internet speculation. All she'll confirm is that contrary to some fans' belief, she does not play Talia, the vengeful daughter of Liam Neeson's character Ra's al Ghul, who also appeared in Batman Begins, and that she takes the role of Miranda Tate, an ecologically-minded businesswoman who's fascinated by Wayne Enterprises. They go through the difficulties and wants to help provide the world clean energies. She's a good guy, but does she stay that way? 
Yes, she insists. Okay, so my thoughts on this is this could be her just throwing everybody off. I mean, I'm sorry, but someone who is a ecologically minded businesswoman who's fascinated by Wayne Enterprises, that just seems as an easy cover-up as Talia al Ghul. Well, Ra's al Ghul has always maintained that like, he's interested in returning the Earth back to its natural state and all that. But didn't, two months ago, didn't we have the young actress playing the younger Miranda Tate confirmed she plays the young Talia al Ghul? Yep, yep. Yeah, oh, okay, so thanks, Marion. Yeah, she, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't news that was supposed to come out. I'm sure it never was, but that's what happens when you hire a girl who's only like 13 or 14 years old, and she has a Twitter account. But I don't know. I mean, she did say she was playing a young Talia Ghul. She said that. Now, she never said that she was playing a young Marion Cotillard. That was really just speculation based on the fact that the two look very, very similar, and it could easily pass as, you know, Joey King's playing a uh, younger version of Marion Cotillard. But I just find it interesting because... Her description of her character just seems as if it could, in fact, be a Talia Ghoul. Well, exactly. All right, so then on May 17th, the very first TV spot for The Dark Knight Rises aired, and it actually aired on ESPN. It was kind of a montage mashup between the NBA playoffs and The Dark Knight Rises, and essentially what was going on was it was basically ESPN using The Dark Knight Rises as a thing to say, you know, the NBA players have to fight off the evil that is Bane or their opposing teams, and they have to rise up and, you know, rise to the occasion and win the championship. Kind of cheesy, but at the same time, it was kind of cool. I got some chills as I was seeing watching it, and I'm not really a basketball fan whatsoever, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I think that's interesting cross-promotion. I don't necessarily associate, at least with this film, the NBA I absolutely would have said NFL, but I guess we're not really in season for that. All right. So then the next thing on May 18th, there was two new posters that popped up on the Trends International poster website for The Dark Knight Rises. One of them is a Batman poster, but the other one is the one that is interesting to note. We've seen the trailer and the last photo marketing campaign that people are drawing small bats at locations around Gotham as a sign of support. It's almost as if it is graffiti around Gotham. The other poster that was revealed was actually a Catwoman poster that seems to show off another graffiti sign. It's a heart that has two X's in it with cat ears. So the question is, could this actually be similar to the events that occurred during the mid-90s Batman comic story, Batman No Man's Land, because there was graffiti drawn by numerous characters back in that story when Gotham was devastated by the earthquake? I think that's a really interesting connection that they made, because, yeah, the graffiti was used to denote who owned which territories in Gotham. And during one portion of the trailer, you see two different groups of people marching at each other down a street. So it's entirely possible that Gotham is split into two factions like that. All right. So then also on May 18th, there was a couple of different news bits that popped up. Marion Cotillard talked with Empire about some of our upcoming films and again, while it was brief, she did talk about The Dark Knight Rises, saying, I cannot say much, as you know, which is a good thing. I like to go to movies without any information. Then you have surprises. But as you saw from the last trailer, I get to kiss Batman. And how was it, they asked? How was it to kiss Batman? She smiles enigmatically, then mock shudders, jeez. 
So clearly she has no problem <laughs> kissing Swain. There was also a one-page, I guess, article. I, I don't even know if you classify as an article. In Rolling Stone featuring Bane and kind of going over his costume that he wears, explaining three different elements of his costume, including the field coat, the armored vest, and the gas mask that he wears. Um, it doesn't, in fact, state in this article that the gas mask is not really a gas mask, but more of a mask to dispense a type of anesthesiac through Bane's nervous system so that he can withstand the pain that he is endures from whatever I'm sure we'll find out what it is later on. We've seen this reference before. Back in November, Lindy Hemming, the costume designer, actually mentioned that the mask was being used for this. And basically, I think at this point, it's a safe bet to assume that there will not be any venom having anything to do with this movie, as we know the comic book interpretation of the character has the mask for a completely different reason. So, Venom, probably not likely. I think that's a really good explanation. I mean, pain produces all sorts of chemicals in your body anyway, so when we see him manage to stop himself from falling down the, the jet when it goes vertical, that level of pain that he's constantly feeling and the chemicals his own body is constantly producing, I think that's as good an explanation as any for his ability to fight and with champagne the way he does. All right, and then we get to the Blitz by Warner Brothers of movie posters. On May 21st, they posted a new poster on the official Facebook page for The Dark Knight Rises, very similar to the initial teaser poster with the skyline crumbling and the bat signal in the sky, but this one has Batman in front of it. Quite honestly, I didn't really think it was that great of a poster. I will not, in my wildest dreams, consider buying that poster because it looks very, very poor. But then right away on May 22nd, there was a ton of posters that were released related to the specific characters in the movie. Over at Yahoo Movies, they released three different posters, one with Catwoman, one with Batman, one with Bane, and the characters stand as it rains. And then over on the Facebook, or on the French Facebook page for the movie, the same thing, three different posters for the three characters, but this time it's snowing and they're in different positions. And those were much, especially the, the ones with the rain, with the word rise in the background, those were much, much better than the poster released the day before. Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement with that. I like, I like the style that they've done these posters in, and I always like character posters, but what with Batman in front of the flaming bat symbol just I think it was a way for them to try to extend the shelf life of that poster. And it was strong enough on its own. Yeah, I think as far as teaser posters go, I think that was a good teaser poster. The original one with the blue and the sky and not the flames. Mm -hmm. All right, so then on May 23rd, there was two new TV spots that popped up. One aired during American Idol and the other one aired during the season finale of Modern Family. You can check both of these TV spots out on the website. We have both of those up. One greatly focuses on Catwoman, and the other one focuses on, really, the rivalry between Bane and Batman. You can check those out. On May 24th, Empire revealed that they were going to be debuting a new issue full of more Dark Knight Rises. The issue actually has two exclusive covers, one with Batman on it, one with Catwoman on it. They also revealed a number of screenshots, which you can check out on the website as well, or stills from the film, I should say. That issue has become available as of May 31st, so you can actually pick that up if you are in England, or it is available through the Apple Store as well. Empire's getting a lot of mileage out of the Dark Knight Rises. Good for them. Yes, they are. <laughs> All right, next up, on May 24th, there was a number of character banners that were released right before the embargo was lifted for the set visits from a number of different sites. There was these three banners that were released. 
or well, there was more. There was four banners released: one featuring Bane standing on top of a tumbler, one of Batman standing on top of a police car, one of Catwoman driving the Bat Pod, and one of Batman and Bane about to face each other. These were all released. Basically, uh, anybody who had the embargo placed on them for their set visits, these banners released by all of them. They are all pretty cool. They all show the extent of what is going to happen, you know, in the ultimate battle between Bane and Batman. Clearly, Batman is going to have the police department siding on his side, and there's a bunch of mercenaries or thugs teaming with Bane. But at this point, it also clarifies that obviously those camo uh, tumblers are on Bane's side because they do appear in this image. Those are really great action shots as far as the banners go. I think they look gorgeous. All right, and then on May 25th, more posters were revealed. The Warner Brothers Twitter account out of India released two more posters, one of Batman versus Bane face-to-face and the other one of Batman with his cape on fire. There was also an announcement over on MTV that during the MTV Movie Awards, which are airing the beginning of June, they're going to be debuting exclusive new footage of... The Dark Knight Rises, and in attendance will be Chris Nolan, Christian Bale, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Gary Oldman to introduce the footage. So by the time you're listening to this, the footage will already have aired, so be sure to check out the website and MTV to see that footage if it's made available online. The other news bit that day was that there was actually a hidden poster that was revealed on the official site for The Dark Knight Rises. Basically, there was a, a very small code at the bottom of some movie posters at movie theaters. And if you scan the code, the little code with your smartphone, it brought you to the Dark Knight Rises website and showed off this new poster, which features Catwoman's stiletto heel stepping on top of a batarang and cracking in half with the Dark Knight Rises at the bottom and lipstick marks from a kiss over the Dark Knight Rises. To me, it reminded me a lot of the Joker poster with the bat signal being used as the smile, the blood on the brick wall, the smile of the face. It was the teaser poster for The Dark Knight, but it was definitely a cool poster. I don't know how realistic it is to be a cat burglar in stiletto heels, but then again, I don't wear heels, so I don't know. Coming from someone who does wear heels, unrealistic. I will put that out there right now. You probably could not cat burgle very well in them. But I think it's interesting that under the lipstick kiss, you've got those two red X's again. So the repeated imagery there kind of piques my interest. Also, the fact that she is crushing the battering under her foot, because through this whole thing, we've never really officially found out, you know, is Catwoman an ally or is she an enemy? And this, to me, just says that I don't even think she knows. You know, you've got the lipstick kiss, the sign of affection over the dark night, but you've got her crushing his symbol. I think what it is, well, I think, I think you're right. I think it is going to be, you know, she doesn't know what she wants to be. And I think even in some of the bits that we've seen in the trailers, Joseph Gordon-Levitt asking her, uh, you know, did they, did they kill him? I'm sure he was referring to Bruce Wayne or Batman. And she goes, I don't know. And then at the same time, in a different part of the trailer, she's saying, you know, you, you don't owe these people anything. You don't, they, you know, you've given them everything. I think the whole movie is going to be heard this conflict between, you know, she's a bad person. She's a thief. That's the idea. She's a thief. But the reality is when Bane comes to town and Bane starts, you know, doing all the stuff that he's doing, whatever it is, she's going to realize that she doesn't want to be on the side of bad if that's what it means, is to be siding with a guy who has no problem killing people and things like that. So then it just goes into that, you know, she's an anti-hero or she's living really, really very much so in that gray area. 
Yeah, definitely. I think the I think they've done a good job of representing that. All right. And then finally, on May 28th, there was a number of things that happened. First of all, there was some more posters that posted over on the Twitter account for Warner Brothers out of India. Three more banners featuring Bane, Batman, and Catwoman. There was also the set visits were revealed. Part ones of most of the set visits were revealed by Movies.com, Batman on Film, Superhero Hype, IGN, HitFix, and Collider. Basically, all the set visits included them going to see the filming at Heinz Field, which was in Pittsburgh, which was that scene that we saw in the second trailer of the football player being thrown the pass and him running down as the actual stadium is imploding. That's what they actually saw. So that a lot of them are talking about that and, you know, Gotham Rogues and how the actual set visit was. There was also some interviews that were done with a number of the different cast members. We have the links to all the set visits on the website. You can check those out um, and read some of the interviews. There really wasn't a whole lot of information that was revealed out of those interviews, um, mostly because the interviews were done over a year ago, but or, well, just under a year ago. But either way, you can check those out over on the website. Also, two more TV spots popped up, TV spot number three and TV spot number four. Four really deals with, again, Batman and the police department versing Bane and his thugs. And the third one actually deals a lot with Bruce Wayne working with Lucius Fox and coming across the bat and Bruce Wayne telling him that he's retired. The third one worries me a little, just with the retirement and, and what that means for Gotham and what it would take to convince someone as strong-willed as Bruce Wayne to come out of retirement as Batman. So I'm I'm nervous about what that means for, I can't think of the word, but the turning point of the film makes him come back. All right, and then finally, that issue of Empire did come out. There was a couple of interesting things that were mentioned in the actual articles. One of the things that was mentioned was they did say that originally Warner Brothers actually wanted Riddler to be the main villain, and that wasn't exactly what Chris Nolan and David Goyer wanted. But Warner Brothers said, you know, it'd be really great if you guys could do the Riddler. And Warner Brothers actually already had somebody in mind to play the Riddler, and it was Leonardo DiCaprio, which I think could have been very interesting. I think I think Leonardo DiCaprio could have done a really good job with the Riddler because he's played some really great characters. But I think ultimately it just comes down to I don't think any director who's done what they've done as far as with Batman Begins and the Dark Knight, and then even more so proving themselves with Inception, I don't think any director who's prove themselves time and time again is going to be told what villain to use in their movie. No, I think that they're very much in a position where they can dictate what they do. As good a job as I think Leonardo DiCaprio would have done, because he's someone that you know we've really watched mature on screen, and obviously he has that pre-existing relationship with Christopher Nolan. I also don't feel like the Riddler, the Riddler in the incarnations that I've seen him in, I don't feel like he could exist in the Christopher Nolan universe. Someone like Bane, Yes. Someone like Joker? Yes. Even someone like Scarecrow? Yes. The Riddler? I, I don't see it. Maybe that would be an interesting challenge for him to make me be able to see it, but as it stands, I don't think it would have worked. All right, and then some of the other things that were mentioned in the article, David Goyer did say that the ending of The Dark Knight Rises is the ending that originally Christopher Nolan and David Goyer came up with way back when they were coming up with Batman Begins. He did also say that the ending of the movie is, in fact, one of those lump-in-throat moments where kind of you never saw it coming and you're quite surprised by it. I'm not real sure what to think of that because I don't know if that means they're going to kill off Batman because that would definitely be a lump-in-throat. But 
there was an interview that was done where Christian Bale actually stated that he would not be opposed to coming back for a fourth one if Chris Nolan came to him and said, hey, I've got another story. Which makes you think, well, how could he come back for another movie if, in fact, Batman's dead? So, kind of some contradictions there, but then again, it doesn't necessarily mean that Batman's the one who dies at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, and that's what causes the lump in the throat. It's just interesting thinking about it one way or the other. Well, really, anyone that they've had in these three films, whether it's Alfred, Commissioner Gordon, Lucius Fox, or Bruce Wayne, I think killing any one of those people would be a lump in the throat moment because you've gotten so attached to these characters. Even if you don't realize that you would miss them, you would. So I don't think it necessarily has to be Bruce Wayne that dies, if someone dies at all. Obviously, I'm not hoping for that, but I'm preparing myself for that. All right, so that is all of the news related to The Dark Knight Rises, which means let's get into TV news. And as far as TV news, we only have Young Justice to go over. No other news related to any other series. But as far as Young Justice goes, we did have a total of four episodes air during the month of May. The very first episode was on May 5th, Earthlings. Featured Superboy, Miss Martian, and Beast Boy arriving on Ran with Adam Strange to halt the Quirrellitalian invasion at its source. We find out a little bit more about Superboy and Miss Martian's relationship and how it's affected. Beast Boy, we do find out, is in fact Garfield Logan and that his mother was killed by Queen Bee at some point in that time frame. They also found out exactly what happened when the Justice League disappeared for that missing 16 hours at the end of Season 1. I really enjoyed this episode, particularly some of the reveals about Superboy and Miss Martian, because it's something that, given the way season one ended and the way season two started, that was a huge question to me anyway. And I really just love any time Adam Strange shows up, comics or TV, he was great. You know, being on RAN, not being able to speak the RAN language, but, you know, they fish raids and it's okay. And just as a did-you-know-this, the actor who actually voices Adam Strange if there's anybody out there who watches the show Fairly Legal, the character of Justin on Fairly Legal is actually the same person who voices Adam Strange on this show. I found that out because I do, in fact, watch the show Fairly Legal. <laughs> I thought it was an interesting episode. I definitely like seeing the slow explanation of different things. We find out that Beast Boy's mom is actually killed by Queen Bee, which, again, somehow that all ties back to, you know, Miss Martian having a situation with Queen Bee in the first place how Beast Boy is actually partially Beast Boy because of that transfusion from Miss Martian. So it all comes back to, you know, you're slowly finding out these little bits. And it's very interesting because I don't think it's ever been done where the second season of the show, there's this random five-year time jump, and you have all these unanswered questions about how things happen. So you get the whole explanation of Miss Martian and Superboy's relationship, and all of these other things, and I think it's very interesting. And it, you know, we'll talk about more of that because as the episodes go on, there's more and more that's revealed. But it is interesting to see these things slowly being revealed. And not only tying back to that cliffhanger at the end of season one, but tying back to things so early in season one. Like they're really making this a big sprawling story. I like that. All right, so then on May 12th, an episode Alienated aired. Bumblebee, Blue Beetle detain a Quirrellitalian at the very beginning of the episode. Miss Martian shares what she learned about the Justice League's attack on Rimbar during the 16 hours with Nightwing and several other leaguers. Later, she 
probes the mind of a Corlitalian and uncovers their location of their base. Members of the team and the League investigate the island but are discovered and fight ensues during which the enemy is revealed to be the former Aqualad who left the team after anger that Aquagirl died and they were unable to save her. He also discovered that Black Manta was his father and he escapes and a bomb was planted that seemingly obliterates the entire island. Uh, we find that Aqualad, going by the name Kaldor, reports back to Black Manta and that Black Manta is reporting to the light and he is, in fact, the Ocean Master's replacement. The six leaguers accused of attacking Rimbar at the very end of the episode, along with Hawkman and Icon, leave Earth with the captured Corotalian to try and resolve the dispute peacefully, bidding a temporary farewell to their protégés in the process. So that was alienating. This was a big episode. But for me, I mean, the Aqualad reveal aside, this makes me worry about Miss Martian, because they show that Martian Manhunter has been interrogating one of the Krolatans for hours, and he's got nothing. He's there for 30 seconds, and she's able to probe his mind and say, nope, this is what they're doing, this is what they're planning. So I I don't know, that that makes me worried that something else has happened to her in the five-year jump that they're touching on a little, but they haven't revealed that it's a problem. But it was definitely also heartbreaking when the six leaguers had to leave to go to trial on Rimbor because... You know, they're leaving their protégés. Clark and Cal clearly have a much friendlier relationship now. I'd love to see how that developed. So I was sad when that happened at the very end. I thought it was this episode was very interesting. I think the reveal that Black Manta was the former Aqualad, and that's where Aqualad, or what happened to Aqualad, I thought that was kind of interesting because we knew as comic fans who this character was because the character appeared in the comics not the Young Justice comics, but actually in DC continuity a while back, during Brightest Day, the black character that was Aqualad appeared, and nobody really knew who he was. But then as Brightest Day continued, you found out that he was actually the son of Black Manta, but he was working under Aquaman, and all of this information was revealed. But it never really translated to the, the show, because it wasn't really relevant, because it was on a different Earth. It could mean something completely different. But it was interesting when they revealed it, that it actually, you know, somewhat still falls into, you know, some of the continuity that happens in the comics, which I found very interesting. All right, on May 19th, the episode Salvage aired. Nightwing, Wally West, Jim Harper, Green Arrow, and Black Canary reach out to Red Arrow, who has fallen into despair over his failed quest to find the original Roy Harper. Superboy, Blue Beetle, Wolf, and the Super Sphere track intergang leader Bruno Mannheim and his Lieutenant Whisper Adair to the Hall of Justice, where the criminals reanimate the four Appalachians into one Appalachian golem. The Appalachian golem attacks the nuclear power plants. Blue Beetle finds a way to communicate with the Appalachian golem and learns it just wants to stop feeling pain. In the distance, Sportsmaster makes an example of Bruno and Whisper as his unseen partner destroys the Appalachian golem to prevent it from falling into the enemy's hands. While he returns home to Artemis, and wishes her a happy Valentine's Day. They appear to be retired from hero work, attending college, and living together romantically. Red Arrow returns home where Cheshire is waiting for him. She turns out to be his estranged legal wife, having left him and returning to a life of crime due to his obsession with finding the original Speedy. She reveals to him that they now have a newborn daughter. She wants him to clean up his act for their daughter and has acquired a lead to help him find the original Speedy. I love this episode. This was probably my favorite of the three that aired this month. 
because I, I do have such a soft spot for Roy Harper and the reveal of this Roy being a clone. I really liked that all of the characters essentially said to him, you know, we didn't stop looking for him because we didn't care. He stopped because we're pretty sure he's dead and we love you. Like they're, they're very much trying to communicate that they care about him. And even when Cheshire, as weird as that whole scene was, even she made it clear that she needs him to clean up because they have a daughter and their daughter is going to care about him. So I want to see where that storyline's going. And I'm so happy that Leanne's back because that was just the saddest moment in comics when they killed her. Wally and Artemis, I want to know what happened to make them retire. So, I mean, as, as many answers, and this is true of every episode, but as many answers as this episode gave us, it gave us that many more questions. So it's got me hooked for the season. And I think they've been doing that all season long where they'll answer a couple questions, but then there's, you know, twice as many questions that are left unanswered or new questions that are presented because of the questions they did answer. I thought this episode was was good. I thought, honestly, the Superboy and Blue Beetle fight against the Appalachian Golem was kind of filler. I mean, I thought the episode was going to be more focusing on Green Arrow and Wally West and Nightwing and Jim Harper and Black Canary going, you know, to help Red Arrow. But unfortunately, it just didn't really happen. And there was some, don't get me wrong, there was actually a lot that happened as far as questions go, but I thought the whole Superboy Blue Beetle thing was kind of like, well, we need to have some action. We can't just have it all about the progression of the storyline. Yeah. And I understand that because it's supposed to be a show for kids, not adults, and I understand why they need to have the action and not just the story progression. But at the same time, sometimes I feel as if they don't spend enough time on the story progression, even though it is the whole point of the show is this giant overarching story. I think without the action, it would have felt way too much like a very special episode. But I also think that the action, and especially the way that Blue Beetle was consistently talking to you know himself, but really to the Scarab in front of Superboy, it kind of set the stage for the next episode, and I almost think that's probably why they felt like they had to include it. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm sure that's the case. All right, and then finally, the last episode that aired in May was an episode called Beneath. Blue Beetle tries to intercept his friend Ty before he boards a bus, but Ty is abducted before Jamie can reach him. A visit to Ty's house leads Jamie to believe that his mother's boyfriend is responsible for his disappearance. Meanwhile, Batgirl, Wonder Girl, Miss Martian, and Bumblebee are on their way to Balia. The girls arrive in Balia, and after learning Simon is active again, they discover a shipment of runaways who are being transported by plane, which is guarded by Simon, Icicle Jr., Mammoth, Shimmer, and Devastation. Elsewhere, Jamie investigates Ty's mother's boyfriend and determines that he has nothing to do with Ty's disappearance. Miss Martian takes down Shimmer and learns that the runaways are being sent to an unknown partner. Alpha Team rescues the abducted teens, but Queen Bee is content since a second shipment, which includes Ty, has already been acquired. Just another episode with so many more questions, because who's the unknown partner? What significance does Ty have other than being Jaime's friend? I did kind of enjoy the moment between Batgirl and Nightwing, where she asks him if he'd have to justify an all-male attack squad, and he's just like, you know, there's no right answer. Nightwing out. It was nice to see Batgirl. I mean, we saw her in the season premiere, but it was nice to see Batgirl in, you know, more of a role than the small amount that we saw her in the first episode of season two. I do think it'll be great because we know for a fact that these characters and all the characters that we've seen, they're only going to just keep using those same characters. It's not like they're going to expand the team, you know, by twofold by the end of the season. 
So all of these characters will continue to be used, which is great because that means we're going to see more Tim Drake, we're going to see more Barbara Gordon, we're going to see more Dick Grayson in their roles as Nightwing, Robin, and Batgirl. I think that's really cool, and I can't wait to see more of them. Well, and not only that, it shows how much the team itself has grown because you've got all these different people who you haven't necessarily been introduced to, but who you've seen in background shots, in group shots, and things like that in the cave and wherever else. And they're getting to play leading roles in missions and things like that. And, and we're getting to see what they can do and where their faults lie. All right. So that is all of the news related to Young Justice and TV. So let's get into merchandise news. A lot of the merchandise news has to do with The Dark Knight Rises, and we'll talk about that stuff in a second. First up, on May 17th, DC Collectibles finally opened their store. I, I say finally, but really it's just finally in my mind, because it seems like it's been a while since they announced that they were going to have their own store, but it really hasn't. It's just in my mind, I thought it seemed like forever. ShopDCEntertainment.com is now the official store of DC Comics, Mad Magazine, and Vertigo Comics. You can go over to that website and see all the stuff they have, but more importantly, there's a tab at the top of the page that is specifically for DC Collectibles, formerly DC Direct, which means you can now get all of the statues and action figures previously available only through your comic shop online, so that was very interesting. There's already a number of items already up there that you can get some previously released items that they still have stock of, so I thought that was kind of cool. And good news, everybody, they're blowing out Jonah Hex. You can get for 10 bucks. I looked through the store, actually, and I wish the free shipping applied to me, but they've got some really interesting things over there, some pretty cool stuff to look at. All right. And then, again, before we get to the Dark Knight Rises stuff, on May 30th, Hallmark revealed their San Diego Comic-Con exclusives for 2012. Really, the, the big thing was they have an ornament that's being released based off the Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's story, which... I'm sure it's not a coincidence that there's the animated film coming out a couple months around Christmas time as well, so they might have planned that, which I applaud them if they did. If they didn't have planned it and it just happened to happen like that, well, then I say, what a coincidence. I have liked some of their previous ornaments better, but kudos to their marketing team. They did a good job. All right, so let's get into some of the Dark Knight Rises merchandise. First up, May 7th, Warner Brothers started to reveal some of the new shirts, well, new merchandise in general, but on shopkitsun.com, you can find a number of shirts related to Batman, Bane, and Catwoman, all on their website. On May 19th, Cotabakia revealed their Dark Knight Rises ARTFX statue, which features Batman holding the EMP gun that we've seen in some of the trailers and stills. On May 26th, Hot Toys revealed that they are actually working on the largest Hot Toys project in history, which is, in fact, the Bat, which is the flying vehicle featured in The Dark Knight Rises. On May 28th, Mattel revealed that they will have a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive that features, it's actually a special packaging of Bruce Wayne, Batman, for the Dark Knight Rises Movie Masters line from Mattel comes with special packaging and lights and sounds inside the box. It's kind of like a last-minute reveal because they didn't talk about this before when they revealed all of the other San Diego Comic-Con exclusives. As a collector of the Movie Masters, I already have two of the three of the first wave of Movie Master figures from Mattel, and I also have the two-pack exclusively from Toys R Us. I can't wait to get this thing because it is pretty cool. It's basically... Bruce Wayne and 
in one side of the box. You flip it over, the diorama around him changes to the Batcave, and he becomes Batman. So, looking forward to that greatly. I cannot wait for that. That will look great on your shelf next to your other movie masters. Yes, it will. All right, and then the last bit of information was on May 29th. It was revealed on USA Today that Todd McFarlane's McFarlane's Toys has actually created a figure for The Dark Knight Rises, but it's the last figure you would ever think would be created. It's a figure for Heinz Ward, the football player who is actually featured in the trailer, who will also be in the film itself, and they featured him in his very own figure wearing a Gotham Rogues outfit with a Dark Knight Rises base. Then also, like I just said, Toy News International posted up some pics of that exclusive two-pack of Dark Knight Rises Movie Masters Batman vs. Bane from Toys R Us. I have already found it at Toys R Us and purchased it just this past weekend. So, needless to say, it's it's definitely out there. All the Dark Knight Rises toys were supposed to hit shelves or were street dated for May 27th, which means nobody was supposed to put them on shelves before that. So, if you go to, you know, Target, Walmart, Toys R Us, or any other place that sells toys or action figures, you probably didn't see a lot of the Dark Knight Rises toys up until that date. Toys R Us, when I was at Toys R Us and looked for the figures, I found them in the most odd spot, and there was a lot of the stuff was already sold out. So there's plenty of time between now and the release of the movie and after the release of the movie for them to replenish it. But I think initially stock is going to be very scarce. So if you're a collector of those movie master figures, I would suggest getting out there and looking for them now because the stock of the first wave is always the hardest to find as time progresses. Yeah, I'm just looking at that picture of Batman and Bane, and that's that's a really impressive figurine set. But I, I really like the one of Heinz Ward. It's not one that I would think of being made, but at the same time, given the amount of exposure that clip has seen, it makes sense that that's one of the action figures they would do. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that Mattel has most of the rights to produce all of the action figures for the line. McFarlane Toys really wanted to do something. They already do a lot of sports characters. And in the actual interview that Todd McFarlane did with USA Today, he did reveal that they already had a Heinz Ward mold. They already had it. All they really had to do was just do a new paint job, which if that's all it took was a new paint job and a new base great. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not really going to be picking it up and collecting it, but I can understand why they would want to do a figure, number one, and why they would want to do this figure since it was it wouldn't be very difficult for them to do. Oh, definitely. All right, so that is all of the merchandise news. Now we get into video game news, and trust me when I say there is a ridiculous amount of video game news. So let's start off with DC Universe Online. So get ready, kids, because it's going to be a very, very exciting ride. It's going to be a doozy. (laughs) I know it's been a while since we've talked about it, and you probably thought it was dead because we haven't talked about it for so long. But as it turns out, on May 8th, Sony released a press statement saying that the Joker is returning to wreak havoc in the DC Universe Online in the fourth DLC pack called The Last Laugh. It features a large-scale multiplayer combat, new light-powered legend characters, and an all-new weapon. If you are still playing the game, or if you haven't played the game, you can definitely check out the DLC pack and the entire list of everything that is going to come with the DLC pack on the website through a press release from Sony. But that is all the news we have for DC Universe Online, but let's move into... Play 
Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt your regularly scheduled mayhem to bring you this. Young Justice Legacy, as we know, just in the last episode, we talked about some of the new characters that were revealed. Well, there was, on May 7th, more characters revealed. Actually, the full lineup, except for one unknown villain, has been revealed, and all of their identities have actually been updated, which is kind of interesting because the 12 playable heroes include Nightwing, Superboy, Miss Martian, Aqualad, Kid Flash, Artemis, Zatanna, Tempest, Beast Boy, Robin, Rocket, and Batgirl. As far as the villains, we have Lex Luthor, Sportsmaster, Cheshire, Icicle Jr., Killer Frost, Black Manta, Simon, Riddler, Blockbuster, Bane, Therian, and like I said, that unknown character. What's interesting is that Aqualad is listed as a hero. It's also interesting that everybody seems to be in their most current form, as we've seen in the newest season of Young Justice. But Zatanna's presence, and Zatanna, as they said in the TV show, has actually become a Justice League member. So that's kind of interesting to me how she is still there. I believe Rocket also became a member in Tempest we really haven't seen since Season 1. So there's a lot, a lot of questions presented just by this reveal. I'd be curious as to whether or not Aqualad is also the 12th unknown villain. That surely is a possibility, yeah. Like at this point in the series, it is. All right, and then on May 14th, the very first screenshots for Young Justice Legacy were revealed. You can check those out. Quite honestly, I don't know really what to think of the first screenshots because the proportions of the people are very odd. I don't know why, but I will just say head over to the website, check out the pictures, check out the screenshots, leave some comments because I can't be the only one who thinks to myself, wow, what's going on with my wings legs? You're you're not. What? <laughs> I'm just looking at the the one on the main page, and how does he even support himself? I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, you can check those out. Please be sure to leave comments related to what you think about that. All right, so let's move into Batman Arkham City. We're hearing reports that a number of police officers are missing. And looking at the outside of the Arkham building, it seems pretty obvious that Harley Quinn is involved. Yes, in fact, even though this game came out last October, we still have news about this because the Harley Quinn DLC pack came out in May. First up, May 3rd, there was some concept art revealed. You can check that out on the website. There was a new trailer revealed for the Batman Arkham City Harley Quinn's Revenge DLC pack on May 10th. You can check that out not only on the website, but also on our YouTube page. All right, and then on May 15th, there was a video that posted up about the creation of the Batman Arkham City sound effects. You can check that video out on the website. There was another trailer that was revealed on May 17th for it. On May 23rd, there was a video that was posted up at videogamer.com featuring the voice talent from the game and how they came to actually voice the characters that they have in the game. And then on May 29th, the actual Harley Quinn DLC was released on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and it will be shortly released on PC. So, as far as Batman Arkham City, who knows? This may be the last time we hear news about Batman Arkham City. This may not be. But then again, coming to some of our other announcements and news that we're going to cover in a bit, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to keep talking about Batman Arkham City with some of the other things that are coming up. My money's still on there being announcements over Arkham City. I think they're going to build this for everything it's worth. And from all the DLCs that I've heard about coming out, it seems like it's worth a lot. 
Yeah. See, the problem that I'm having is I'm worried that maybe they're milking it too much because Rocksteady is not going to make a sequel to Batman Arkham City. And, you know, Batman Arkham City is the last game in this, you know, Arkham series that they've been doing. And that's why they decided to do the Harley Quinn DLC pack to kind of wrap it up to the point where there's not a whole lot left hanging. Now, trust me when I say there still is a lot left hanging. There's, they could still go in many directions, but it's going to be harder to go into a direction without the Joker since they killed the Joker. But at the same time, we probably all think the same thing about how hard it's going to be to make the Dark Knight Rises without the Joker and still make it as successful as the Dark Knight. So we'll probably be proven that, you know, you can make a successful movie and a very good movie without the Joker when we see the Dark Knight Rises. And that will just prove that you can make another Arkham game without it having Joker inside of it. So when I think of, at least when I think of Arkham Asylum, even though, yeah, he is a huge character in the game, Arkham Asylum, and he's the main character, from what I understand, in Arkham City, I don't necessarily associate him with Arkham. So I think that there is room for a different character. I mean, just because Joker is Batman's big bad doesn't mean in every form of media he has to be Batman's big bad. All right, so then let's go into our next game. Time to clobber some clouds! So, as we know, Batman Arkham City came out in October. We have DC Universe Online, which came out January of last year, which we still have news for. Young Justice Legacy comes out early 2013. Another game, Gotham City Imposters, that came out January or February. Depending on which one you had, we have some news on that game. One thing, another DLC pack is available now. Monolith, the studio behind the game, has actually announced there's a couple of new DLC packs for Gotham City Imposters. One of them is available now, and the other one is called the Steamy Punk Pack. Both of these packs are actually free, so if you have an interest in, or if you're still playing Gotham City Imposters, or if you're not, you can get a new DLC pack. Both of these packs, the videos are online, and they both look really good. Like I said, every episode before this, don't play this game thinking, this is an amazing Batman game. Just play it as, this is a fun game, and you'll you'll really enjoy it. I like that you have that caveat every time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it, it sounds like it's an interesting game. Again, not really a gamer, but the fact that they're still putting DLC out for it, and the fact that they're making it free, to me, says that they really do want this game to succeed, and that they do have faith in it, but I think that they have mismarketed it to the point where I don't know that even free downloadable content can save it. Alright, so then let's get into one of the next games that's coming out, Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes. Not the way I like to travel. Come on, cheer up, sourpuss! Not cool. A various amount of news for this on May 3rd, Comic Resources posted up details about Robin's character in the new game. It is, in fact, Tim Drake in the Robin costume, as we have seen. Nightwing will actually appear in the game as well. Moving on to some more news later on in the month. On May 17th, Warner Brothers released some Lego Batman parodies of the Batman Arkham City posters, while character concept art that was in that black and white fashion, but this time the parodies were released in Lego form. They were definitely cool. You can check out those on the website. 
On May 22nd, Warner Brothers announced that Lego Batman 2 is going open world. The entire area of Gotham City is open world, and you will be fighting as not only Batman and Robin, but also a number of other DC superheroes. Definitely interesting. There's some videos online of gameplay. E3 is going to be happening, so be sure that if you haven't already, checking out the website for some of the news coming out of E3 related to Lego Batman 2, Young Justice Legacy, as well as the final game that we're going to talk about, which just was announced on May 31st. It is called Injustice Gods Among Us. And stop running! Picture this. I think it was like maybe four years ago we talked and we reported because it was coming out while we were in the, the forming stages of doing the podcast and the website, Mortal Kombat vs. DC. And quite honestly, I bought the game, I played the game. It wasn't a horrible game, but really the reason why it was not a great game was because the DC characters were involved in the game. And then it somehow just took out the entire, like, brutality of the game, of it being Mortal Kombat. So, I guess Warner Brothers' answer to that is, well, they own the studio that does the Mortal Kombat games, so why not have them just do a DC fighting game instead of having DC vs. Mortal Kombat just do DC vs. DC. So, the game is called Injustice Gods Among Us. The very first trailer is online, also on our YouTube page as well as the websites, but NetherRealm is producing this game, and I gotta say, I don't know what to think at this point. I'm not a huge fan of fighting games to begin with, especially Mortal Kombat and things like that, but at the same time, I think it could be interesting to see what they're actually planning on doing, or if there's an actual storyline, or if it's just going to be a you know straight arcade, let's fight each other kind of thing which is what I get the feeling of based off that. But at the same time, they also have stated something happens to the DC superheroes that causes them to not hold back. They go full out in the trailer. They show Superman using his heat vision to what we assume burn the crap out of somebody. They also show Harley Quinn shooting the heck out of Batman and Wonder Woman and things like that. Harley Quinn's a villain. That's understandable. What's not understandable is Superman dragging Flash's body up to space punching him in the face and Flash flying back down to Earth and smashing to the Earth. So something's happened here where these characters have a reason to fight each other. Needless to say, I don't know what to think. There's plenty of time because this game's not going to be coming out again until 2013, but lots of stuff is going to have to get revealed on this game. It does seem like it'll probably be more of an arcade player versus player style game, but just looking at this preview image on the site, like the artwork for it, I don't like the Flash's outfit. I don't like Batman's outfit. There's not a lot for me to like in this game. I mean, at least in other ones, I can say, well, I enjoy watching people play it because, you know, I like this, this, and this about it. This, to me, I don't know, doesn't look like it will hold anything for me. All right, so that is all the video game news. So if you got that right, we had video game news from a game that came out in January of 2011, a game that came out of October of 2011, a game that came out of February 2012, a game that comes out in summer of 2012, a game that comes out in early 2013, and another game that comes out in 2013. Tons of video games. Tons of video games. And I'm not really that surprised because I remember Jeff Johns saying, you know, not only tweeting, but also saying at conventions that they have been working with studios 
to make video games for a while. And the fact is, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment has a lot of studios that fall under their umbrella right now, where it almost, at this point, seems like almost every studio they have under their umbrella is making a DC-related game. I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe there is other studios, but it just seems like every studio that Warner Brothers has right now is making DC-related games. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, as long as they're done correctly. I think they're just seeing it as another revenue stream. Like, we've talked about how After the Dark Knight Rises, really the only DC property that's being developed is Superman for film. So, you know, let's pump out what we can while we can, while it's still a hot, marketable commodity. And I would agree. I think ultimately it just comes down to if they can't figure out how to do it in movie form, in some cases video games can make more money than movies. And I know they know that. Because I remember there was an interview that was done late 2011. It was actually an interview that it was revealed that Lego Batman 2 was in the works. Where the head of Warner Brothers Interactive, Martin Tremblay from Warner Brothers, was saying at length on how much money video games can make compared to how much money movies can make. And I think that's why Warner Brothers has bought a lot of studios in the last couple of years. is because they know there's money in video games. I mean, Call of Duty, you know, every Call of Duty game that comes out, you know, is making somewhere in the neighborhood of like $500 million and it doesn't cost nearly that much to produce it. It doesn't even cost $200 million to produce it. So when you have a movie that takes, you know, $200 million to make and then it ends up losing money or just barely making its money back, that's a huge difference as far as that goes compared to a game which might only take, you know, $50 million to make and then can, you know, make 10 times that amount. So I see where they're going. I just hope that they don't get too careless like Marvel did with so many Marvel movies in the early 2000s because some of them turned out well, some of them didn't turn out well. Alright, so with that, let's get into general news. Really, the only general news we have is there's a bunch of things related to The Dark Knight Rises. On May 10th, it was announced that there is a Tumblr tour launching in North America. Warner Brothers announced that the Tumblr and Batpod will be traveling across North America. Via press release, it will be going to a number of locations all across the United States, Canada, and Mexico. You can check out the list of dates that they have announced so far on the website, as well as the actual official website for any updates. On May 14th, Mountain Dew announced they're teaming up with The Dark Knight Rises and featuring a special Mountain Dew flavor called Dark Berry. Presumably tastes like berries. I'm, I'm just taking a guess there, though. But they're also featuring specially marked cans. The Mountain Dew NASCAR is actually being decked out in Dark Knight Rises paint job, as well as the suit that Dale Earnhardt Jr. wears is going to be featuring the Dark Knight Rises logo on it as well. Also, if you head into your nearest gas station, you might see a weird, odd-looking Batman standing over the Mountain Dew cooler because they have these weird life-size stands of a Batman standing over one of those barrels full of Mountain Dew. So you might see those, too. All this stuff is actually supposed to be leading up to a big reveal on June 18th, where there's a website that Mountain Dew is actually launching, revealing some of the the behind-the-scenes and special clips from The Dark Knight Rises. And because of that site, a lot of this stuff you'll start seeing flow into stores, probably as you're listening to this, leading up to that reveal. 
And then finally, May 25th was announced that there was a contest going on up in Canada. You can design your very own movie poster, which I'm sure in fact would be better than that flaming skyline with Batman standing in front of it. And if you are interested in the details, you can head over to the website and check it out in the general news. The prize is actually quite a decent prize. It passes to the Canadian premiere of The Dark Knight Rises as well as the secondary prizes passes to special advanced screens of the Dark Knight Rises. So if you are an artist out there who wants to make a really cool movie poster, which is bound to be better than that flaming skyline poster that they revealed, check out the details, submit your entry, and you could, in fact, win tickets to the Canadian premiere of the Dark Knight Rises. Now, this is, in fact, obviously only available to Canadian residents, but I know we have listeners up there because we have a host from up there. Definitely a great prize, even great secondary prizes. And like Dustin said, there's no way that your poster could be any worse than the one that they use to advertise the contest. So give it a shot. All right. So that is all of the general news. Going to listener Q&As or listener responses, quite honestly, we didn't get any this month. So I'm not sure why, but I just want to tell everybody out there, because I know there's people listening, because people leave comments on the forums and things like that. If you would like to have a question answered about The Dark Knight Rises, you only really have one option left, because July's episode, which we'll post in the beginning of the month, will be the last opportunity you have to ask a question about The Dark Knight Rises before it actually comes out, so we only have one episode left before The Dark Knight Rises releases. That being said, if you have a question, comment, concern, suggestion, complaint, Whatever it may be, send it to us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net, and we will make sure to answer those questions on the next episode, which will be episode number 77 for the beginning of July. So with that, let's get into our feature. Unexpectedly, we have been talking a lot about news because, as predicted many months ago, we were going to have lots of news related to the Dark Knight Rises. But we're going to talk about the Avengers for a short amount of time. The Avengers has nothing to do with Batman other than it's coming out the same summer. The Avengers came out this past month in May. I saw it. I thought it was a good movie. The best part about the movie was the Hulk. <laughs> but the reality is, the Avengers, it worked. It, it worked not only in movie form, it not only worked critically, it not only worked box office form, it not only worked fan-wise. I mean, there isn't an aspect of the Avengers that I've heard hasn't worked. The Avengers has done very well in the box office. It's made well over the amount of money that anybody could have projected. It beat the record for opening weekend box office by $40 million, or right around $40 million. Critics had really no major complaints of the movie. I mean, it was a superhero popcorn movie, and that's what it was. So knowing that's what it is when you go into it, I mean, you can't really expect it to be something that it's not. Joss Whedon did a great job as the director, and I know that he was involved with the script as well. Needless to say, they did a good job. They did a good job at taking all of these characters and making a movie that focused on the characters. Yes, they did focus on some characters more than others. Yes, they probably could have had more screen time to some of the characters. But nonetheless, they did a decent job at taking all of these major characters that all had their own movies for the most part and focusing on them as a team. I thought it worked amazingly well. You had the five lead-up films. Some of them were better than others. I 
didn't see any of the Hulk movies because I'd heard such terrible things about them. So even people who were going into this with such apprehension about you know, the Hulk character, is he going to ruin the movie? They walked out, like Justin said, just loving the Hulk. You know, he was the breakout star of this film. It alone has caused several films to be greenlit. And really, what people are asking is, well, what about it made it work? What what about it appealed not only to comic book fans, but just to general moviegoers? Because it did. When I've gone in to see it, it's such a wide, varied audience that are going to see this movie. My parents loved it. My little brother loved it. Everybody I know that has seen it has loved it. So what is the magic formula? What's the golden ticket that made it work? I think the reality is that's the thing that we probably really need to focus on is, you know, years ago when we learned that Warner Brothers was making a Justice League movie, and we know at this point, obviously, for various reasons it didn't pan out, but knowing what was supposed to happen with the Justice League movie and knowing what happened with the Avengers, I don't think that the Justice League movie could have worked the way it did. We already knew and predicted it wasn't going to work to begin with because they already did Superman in 2005. They already had a Batman, you know, with the Dark Knight and Batman Begins. There was no reason to redo that. But that being said, it would have never worked because the whole point, I think really the reason why the Avengers worked was because of that giant lead-up. I mean, it was back in 2008 that Iron Man came out, same summer as Dark Knight, and from there, it was just this slow build-up towards the Avengers, slowly building it up over, you know, the next four years. That same summer, 2008, was also the Hulk movie. 2010, Iron Man 2 came out. Last summer, we had Thor and Captain America. Needless to say, all these movies just slowly added to this, this overall thought of what could be this Avengers movie. Now, I, I have to say, I think a lot of credit is due to Joss Whedon, because I think ultimately it was him who made it work. As much as I think the Marvel Studios and the people involved with that could sit there and go on and on about how this is what they planned the entire time, I don't think any single person in their right mind strapped to a lie detector could admit that they expected this movie to do as good as it has done, because it's just it's just not possible. I don't think anybody expected it to do this good. That being said, the reason why I think it worked was that slow buildup. Now, how could that translate to a Justice League movie? I have no idea, because at this point, Warner Brothers is so particular about what to greenlight and what not to greenlight. We've got this final Batman movie that Chris Nolan's doing. At this point, they're not going to... If they reboot Batman, which is most likely the case, they'll do it. But they're not going to reboot Superman again, because it's just next year that we get the new Superman movie. So why would we get a reboot to superman already so that means this new superman would have to be somehow linked to this new batman that comes out maybe in the next 40 years or something and then they still have to get some of these other characters like the flash they had green lantern that didn't do very well so what are they going to do are they going to reboot that i doubt it they're probably just going to you know lunge along with what they did but really what they need to do is figure out a way to cross these different characters and they haven't done that in anything i mean Green Lantern had small bits and pieces where they had characters from the DC Universe that could cross into other things, but nobody's done it yet. And I think the reality is, until they figure out a way to cross-pollinate these movies so that you have these characters popping up in multiple movies, you're never going to get that slow build-up where you're like, oh my god, I want to see all these characters together. When's this going to happen? And then all of a sudden, everybody's demanding it before it actually happens. I think if they can manage to even plant the seed within the Superman movie, that will open a lot of doors because, you know, Christopher Nolan 
with his Batman, it was very much, this Batman exists in a world without superheroes. This is just a normal world. Whereas with Superman, you do kind of have to make room in your mind that superheroes must exist because Superman exists and supervillains exist. So if they can manage to get it in there, I feel like the next Batman movie that comes out, it will have an easier time having that little bit of cross-pollination, as you put it. Because with Iron Man, the majority of the movie wasn't... Like, Iron Man 2 was nothing but an Avengers trailer. It was not a great movie. But they also had that character who appeared in each movie who kind of said, hey, we've got this thing we're working on. It's called the Avengers Initiative. We'd like you in on it. We'd like you to consult on it. There's no real character like that in the Justice League. I mean, it's not a government agency. It's, it's the League. But if they can figure out a character that kind of goes to each one of them and says, you know, we need to do something because we need to save the world. If they can manage that, if they can somehow work that in there without it looking like an Avengers ripoff, I think that a Justice League film would be more successful than if they were to just try to make it on its own. But I think the challenge they face is that the Avengers is made up of a group of people who should not be around each other. There's absolutely no reason they should work as a team, whereas the Justice League is very much a team, and they've always been a team, and they work well as a team. So you need a new form of central conflict in the movie as well. Right, and I think the biggest problem is going to be what is going to really cause them. And as much as we've seen with the New 52 and kind of the relaunching of the Justice League with Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, I think part of the problem is there's never really a great explanation of how the Justice League comes together. It's just, hey, we're superpowered or we're a hero and we as heroes should just come together and work as a team. But it's never really explained about why they should come together. Even with the New 52. I mean, I, I'm reading Justice League. I've been reading it since the New 52. And yeah, there's bits and pieces that make it, you know, connect the characters to each other. But mostly it's just, it just seems as if it's more coincidence than anything else. And that's a huge problem because you can't have just coincidence bringing these characters together. Because then you end up with something that no one's going to really appreciate. Yeah, they, they need a catalyst for bringing them together. One of the other things I just realized is Brian Michael Bendis with Marvel consulted on each of those films and he has really been the big writer for the avengers for the past few years i think that if dc could kind of stick with someone who you know this is my justice league writer this is my justice league expert if they have that person consulting on each of the individual movies it would help tie them together better as well i think so and i think that's exactly what they do need but i at this point in time i don't even know that i could say yeah this person would be great I mean, Jeff Johns is great, but... Oh, yeah, no disparagement to him. I love Jeff Johns. I like Jeff Johns, too, but the thing is, Jeff Johns was a consultant on Green Lantern, and Green Lantern didn't turn out as great as it should have been. And there was other DC writers that were involved with Green Lantern as well, and it just it didn't turn out that well. And as much as I'd love to say it was all the marketing, and the marketing for the movie was crap, and that's why it didn't turn out well, when I walk into the movie theater to see the movie, it has nothing to do with the marketing. I'm watching the movie, and I'm seeing what it is. I don't know why the Blu-ray, when it was released, the extended cut, if you watch the extended cut, and you watch all these scenes they decided to cut out, those scenes would have made the movie so much better. But whoever decided at the last minute, wait, we need to cut this out, we don't really need to see the reason of why Hell becomes a fighter pilot, or why he feels the necessity to have this willpower. No, we don't need to see this at all. I mean, I don't know whose decision that was, 
I don't know that it was anybody at DC who said that, but it just seems to me as if that was a poor idea to cut that out. But needless to say, there was many other elements of that movie that could have been different too. I think Hal Jordan, yes, he's a smart aleck and things like that, but I think the reality is that I think, this is just my opinion, Ryan Reynolds would have been better suited for The Flash than he would have been Green Lantern. And that's just what I think. I think you have a point that he would have been great as The Flash. I think that given a better script and better editing. He was also a really great Green Lantern because that scene where he flies for the first time as a Green Lantern, you know, under his own power, I think that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I agree that that extended cut made so much more sense. I don't understand the cuts they made because it wasn't as if it was a movie that was running long as it is. But I also think that, yeah, Jeff Johns consulted on that, but they were also making that as a solo Green Lantern movie. You know, nothing bigger in mind. So I I think he, as a consultant, does have the capacity to, you know, bring all these different characters together. But I think that has to be the plan from the start. I don't think that you can just sort of stumble into that. Well, I think that's the main problem, because at this point, in my mind, Warner Brothers has been, well, we need to get these movies because we want to start a franchise. It's all about the franchise, but it's not about the, you know, franchise of the franchises. It's about the franchise. So how do you do, you know, you have Batman, and Batman's great, Batman's doing great, let's keep making Batman movies, but we're not going to involve it with anything else that we're doing. Superman, we're going to do Superman, we're going to start Superman from scratch, we're going to do it, it's going to be a new franchise. Green Lantern, Green Lantern, we're going to do Green Lantern, it's going to be its own franchise, but they're not thinking about how they could make this even bigger than anything else they've ever had. All they keep thinking about is, I mean, and I know this is kind of like a mean thing to say, but Reality, to me, just seems as if they're just trying to find the next Harry Potter. Well, and they are. And they're being, unfortunately, very short-sighted about it because, you know, given the fan base that DC has, if they were able to successfully do a Justice League movie, I would venture to say it could be more successful than the Avengers because the Justice League has been around for years. It's been around longer than the Avengers. That is something that, you know, parents take their kids to. Grandparents, some grandparents, might even go to. Yeah. You know, it's got that history behind it. and I mean, DC reality has the richest library of heroes. I mean, there's plenty of people who could argue that, but the reality is the characters have been around longer. They're much more well-known worldwide. Marvel, I mean, ever since Warner Brothers bought DC back in the 70s, Warner Brothers has done a pretty decent job of getting the characters worldwide through licensing and things like that. Marvel, on the other hand, was just Marvel. That's all they were. They were just Marvel. They weren't linked to any big companies up until just a couple years ago with Disney. But for the most part, their characters aren't nearly as known as DC's. And that's very true. That's a good point. So, you know, if the Avengers can do this, what would a good Justice League movie be able to do in the box office? Right. I mean, it could blow everything out of the water and, it, and nobody would see it coming, but it would just have to be, and I just go back to that, it has to be the lead up because they can't just dive into a Justice League movie without, because how do you dive into a Justice League movie without doing the origins of all these characters? How do you come to appreciate the characters for who they are without them being part of the Justice League unless you have these other movies? We're never going to see a Wonder Woman movie unless DC decides, hey, guess what? We can have a movie that has a woman as the lead in the film. And it can be an action movie and have a female lead. Because that's one of the biggest things holding it back. The fact that Wonder Woman is one of the main three of the Justice League is a huge hindrance because they keep holding back on on whether or not they should do the Wonder Woman movie because it's a female character. And that's really just the big thing. And it's just, 
there's there's been movies with female leads. Disney's going to prove it again when Pixar's new movie Brave comes out with the female lead. They'll prove it again that you can have female leads. All they have to do is just figure out a way to market it as not only an action movie, but a movie that also, you know, little girls can go see and look up to Wonder Woman. Well, yeah, because she she is a really great, great role model. And I, I think that were they to make that movie, absolutely, it would, if, again, it's properly done, it would be great. Because, I mean, we saw the, don't know the appropriate word for it, but we saw Catwoman a few years ago, and that was, it was a mess, you know? So it's very concerning what they might do to Wonder Woman. So I would like to see it done, but I would I would rather wait and see it done properly. All right, so that'll wrap up our conversation. Needless to say, this isn't something that we're going to stop thinking about because until we either find out about some more DC properties or we find out about whether or not a Justice League movie is going to happen or not, it's something that we're going to be thinking about for a while. One plus side is if you pay attention to the website and check out the DC Universe Spotlight, there is, in fact, a new series coming to the CW based off of Green Arrow, which I have to say, based on everything I've seen, I'm looking extremely forward to. It's called Arrow. It'll be on the CW this fall. It's already been picked up for a full season. It's nothing like the Green Arrow from Smallville. Nothing against that because I did like Smallville. But it's more on the, you know, the darker, grimmer take of Green Arrow and him having issues to deal with as a person instead of, you know, just a sidekick to Clark Kent in Smallville. But anything related to DC Universe as far as movies, TV, and video games and things like that that's not directly related to Batman, we do try to report on the bigger events and bigger things that are happening in the DC Universe Spotlight section of the website. So be sure to check that out. And with that, that's everything for this episode. So be sure to head over to the website for all the news that we talked about here, as well as all the news related to the comic books. Lots of big things happening in the comic books. Night of the Owls, a crossover between all the Batman books, just wrapped up in the month of May as well. Lots of things coming up down the line in the Batman books. Be sure to check out all of our other podcasts that we have to offer. We do, in fact, have some interviews that we have lined up, so be checking out the interviews feed for any interviews coming up in the next couple months. As well as our new podcast, the Batman Universe Bat Fans, which features a number of fans, or I guess I don't like using the word fanboys, but fanboys talk about Batman and all the news related to Batman, but not necessarily in the news format that we do, but more of a, like a comment and opinionated podcast. So you can check that out on the website as well. You can always email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you need links, just head over to the site, thebatmanuniverse.net. They're all at the top of the page, of every page on the website. You can head over to the forums and become a member. If you do, be sure to send us an email asking us to activate your account, as your account will not be activated unless we get that email. And then you can chat with other Bat fans as we get closer to the release of The Dark Knight Rises. Once again, there is only one more episode between now and The Dark Knight Rises, so if you have any questions or things you would like us to talk about related to The Dark Knight Rises prior to it coming out, be sure to email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net and let us know those things so that we can talk about it before the movie comes out. We will be recording that episode at the very beginning of July, so please get your things to us before the end of June, because that is very important if you would like us to talk about those things. So with that, that's everything. This is Dustin. This is Melinda. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Hasta luego.
all got on this boat for different reasons. But you all come to the same place. I'm Ron Glass, and if you're not listening to the signal, you could be headed to a special hell. Hi, this is Adam Baldwin, and you're listening to the Goram Signal. We're just happy to be doing good work. Hi, this is Gina Torres, and you're listening to the Big Damn Podcast. Hi, this is Marina Baccarin, and this is the signal. What? You didn't see that coming? I want to make some noise. I want to make a joyful noise. I want to make too much noise. Make it go further. What? Make the signal go further. As Malcolm Reynolds would say, I need to misbehave. We are a podcast all about Firefly and Serenity. On our shows, you will find features and news, reviews and articles, interviews, and anything else we can think of relating to the verse of Firefly and Serenity. We're continuing to explore the verse, and we want you to join us. Just go to www.serenityfirefly.com. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. The Signal. We We aim aim to to misbehave. misbehave.